Welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in to Rock Church's message. We are so excited that you are here today. We hope that you leave today encouraged and know that you are loved by God. Thank you this morning that our fear doesn't stand a chance when matched up to your love. So amazing, so unconditional. God, you are always there, ready for us to lead us and guide us if we're only listening. I pray this morning that we would be like the shepherds out in the field and the kings far away, that we would see the bright star as Jesus, the only answer for our lives. The only hope that we have is in you, Lord. This is no show. This is the truth. God, we need you this morning. We want to grab onto that angel that's leading us. Thank you once again, Father, through all the things that we have been through in the past year, that you have been there guiding our way and our steps. Right, people? Thank you, Lord, for keeping your promises. I want to start by using an illustration of a a friendship that was forged many years ago in one of the worst battles of World War II, and a promise that was made during that battle between two friends. On August 2nd, 2001, a memory was to be commemorated and not forgotten. A man by the name Harold Huggins, a veteran of 10 major campaigns in World War II, and the last survivor of his battalion made a promise that he knew that he must keep. He said, I had this on my mind for 57 years, trying to locate my buddy from the war, locate his sister and loved ones that were located in California. And he said, I want, I want because my friend still remains to be a part of me, I made a promise that anything that would happen to him, I would contact his family and tell them that he loved them. Huggins from Albany, Illinois, and Mac McLean from Marysville, California, were best friends in the Army. And they wound up together in Anizo Beach, Italy, scene of one of the bloodiest battles of World War II. Mac had a premonition that he wouldn't make it out of there alive. And so he gave Harold some mementos and asked him if he would promise that if anything happened to him in the war, that he would give this to his sister and tell her that he loved her. He promised, made that promise to him, and one day later, he was killed in a war. Mac was killed in the war, and after the war, Harold looked for Mac's sister for years and years. For some 57 years, he chased after finding her. And she, when he did find her, she said to him, we have always hoped and prayed that we would meet somebody who would tell us about Mac and exactly what happened to him. On Thursday, August 2nd, at the place where his buddy's name is engraved in marble, at the Veterans Memorial in Marysville, California, Harold Huggins kept his promise made 57 years earlier, meeting Mac's sister for the very first time and giving her that kiss that he told 
his friend he would deliver to her. And then he turned over these mementos that he had from the war. For an old soldier who wouldn't give up his search for a buddy's long lost sister, there's a feeling of mission accomplished, a promise that was made. Brothers and sisters, Harold Huggins' story is, is true of many veterans, that when they served together and they went through battle together, they knew that their bond and their friendship between each other was one that was designed and ordained by God. Thank God for good friends, right? There was a devotion there that you rarely find anymore, a devotion that, a devotion that cost him for 57 years to look for the sister and finally talk to her about her brother Mac and how he died. When you get to Exodus chapter 23, and this is my last message today on angels, it's pretty interesting that you see the Israelites ready to finally cross over into the promised land. God rescued this people out of slavery. He promised them that they could go in and take the promised land, that it was already theirs, and yet there was great hesitation. You know, there was grumbling and complaining after the 12 spies went into the land, and two of them, only two, came back and said, it's flowing with milk and honey. Only two of them had the right attitude. I was sharing with the praise band earlier today that this morning in my reading in Mark Batterson's book called Whisper about prayer, he, has, he said this, there are only two mentalities out there. You're either positive or negative. Either positive or negative. And how you look at your circumstances is largely dictated by one of those two attitudes that you're going to have. A lot of us have already come into the room this morning convinced that things can't change. That this is the way it's going to be forever. And God is saying to you, no, you can claim the promises of God. And you can find incredible joy if you want it. Some people came into the room ready to raise their hands already. They were just ready to praise God this morning. Right? Because they came into the room expecting God to do something inside of them. It was foggy outside. It could take you somewhere else very quickly. But the sun is always shining above the clouds. Always. You get to decide whether it's going to be good or evil, whether it's going to be up or down, in or out. There's one or the other all the time, whether it's God or whether it's Satan. You can decide this morning whether it's God at work or whether it's the enemy at work. No matter how you look at it, your attitude will determine the outcome. They had this promise from God as you enter into the promised land. He was going to fight their battles. He was going to care for their needs, and he was going to bless them abundantly. Did you come today expecting to get blessed crazy? A few people did, right? And the enemy has already snatched away from other people what God wanted to give them this morning. See, God said to the children of Israel, you can walk right into the promised land. If you're not afraid. And if we have this attitude this morning, my fear doesn't stand a chance. If we have that attitude, we will be overcomers. But God's promises are conditional. He will do these things if. You know how it works. God is saying to you, I'm going to advance you on this earth and in the kingdom to come if. Mm-hmm. 
All things work together for good if you love God. Because the uncanny thing about that is if you change your perspective this morning, all of a sudden you're seeing things differently. You don't think God is mean. You don't think God is always disciplining you. You don't look at the negative side. You say, there's something good in this to be drawn out of this, correct? Something good is going to happen today. Remember Rex Humbard? Anybody in here remember him? Raise your hand. Rex, he always had that song, something good is going to happen today. And he started this Bible college. It was up on the island in, in Michigan. Yes, it's still there. It's a hotel now. Something good didn't happen. His entire ministry crumbled. At some point, he stopped believing that something good was going to happen, and he started believing that something bad is going to happen. You know how that works? Sean, are you settled now for the day? Good. You need another donut or sweet roll or cookie or coffee or milk or... Are you a fool yet? He's my buddy, actually, so I can say this to him. But usually I see a couple sweet rolls under the chairs stashed. You know, there's like, like I got to have a little bit more during the service, a little more sugar, a little more coffee. He's settled. He's good. So I want you to follow along on the text here this morning. Exodus chapter 23. Behold, I send an angel before you. And look what he says to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, I will block them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you. He will bless your bread and your water. I will take sickness away from you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, Lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods." They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Well, some people say this morning, I just feel like it's one thing after another, after another, after another. The enemy just sends things all the time. You have to decide ahead of time, how are you going to respond? 
Is that not correct? You must decide this morning how you are going to respond. But if you noticed in the text, it started out by saying, there is an angel that has gone ahead of you. I've prepared the way, but there is an angel. And that proves to me that angels are very real. Some angels have the responsibility to minister to us, as we said two weeks ago. And some are solely, solely committed to their purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. You must decide today. Are these good angels or are these demonic forces that are trying to destroy me? Verse 20 says, see, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. I want to pay special attention to that phrase, along the way. Now, about now is when you start getting bored with the sermon. I know because I've sat out there a great deal of my life. I think it is extremely important this morning that you decide you're going to get something out of this. You decide ahead of time, there's something here for me, God. Right? I want you to say that. There's something here for me. There you go. Look at your neighbor and say it. Vince did it. I could hear him clear up here. You know, you know that if, if you go to some churches that are very charismatic, they're always doing that to you. Look at your neighbor and slap, give them a high five and slap them on the back and smack them in the head. And I think it's because every pastor knows this. You have to keep people awake so they get something. You see, when we pay attention to God, and even this morning as you back out of your driveway and you're headed to church, you have to decide whether you're going to get something today. You came in the service. We made a change now, so we have more time in the service. When those doors open, the service starts. You come into you. You come into the worship. It's already happening in the room because we've been here since 8.30, praising and practicing and praying Ah, I got three Ps there, praising, practicing, and praying. That's a great message. See, the problem is God sends things into our lives, but your attention is somewhere else already. You're already busy with something else. There's something that has you sidetracked already this morning. You can't get through that, so you can't possibly see anything in this message for you. But God sends instruction and wisdom and provision to us. He actually promises us that he will protect us on the path. A lot of things happen during the week. A lot of things happen today already. I was on the way to church this morning. My heart completely uh, prepared. I woke up at five something and started praying for a family that I'm concerned about. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. And, it, and, and I texted them several times and I still couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, don't let the devil have them. We were on our way to church. And my heart started racing so fast that I said to my wife, I think I'm going to faint. I had to pull the car up at the, at the stop sign and just sit there for a moment. This is my experience. When the devil is mad and doesn't like what's going on, he will send everything imaginary. Yes, 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 he will. Yes, he will. He'll burn your house to the ground. He'll make something happen 
to prove that he's pretty much in control when in reality he's not at all in control. He's a loser. His case is already decided. He's already cast into the final destiny, the lake of fire. But we let him win on a daily basis because our attention is somewhere else. Most of us are not even certain where we're headed. I had a powerful illustration this week. I was out in the youth building because we had our staff Christmas party, and I was listening to a sermon that Moses sends me. You know people send me sermons all the time. I can get five in a day, and then they say, how would you like that sermon? I'm like, I swear everybody thinks all we do is just stand around, just picking our nose and listening to sermons. So I don't get to listen to most of them, but Moses is always sending me some zingers. So I thought um, this message was outrageously powerful. I put it on in the youth building, and I started listening to it, and it was about repentance, and it was by John Bevere, and he's written several books. He's charismatic. His wife, Lisa, has written several books, and he was talking about this, that God requires repentance of us. I was so crushed and broken in spirit, I was crying out there, saying, God, I am so negligent about my sin, and then I'm wondering why you're not blessing like I think you should. You following me? You know how that goes? I'm so negligent about the sin in my life, and then I'm wondering why you are allowing these things into my life as you are. Because my attention is somewhere else. Because I'm sidetracked. Because I actually don't think God is God. You think God can do anything this morning? So I, I finished my tears out there and started praying to myself, and I walked over to this building, and... Katie was in the office, and, and Casey was here, and, and Zach was here, and I just said to him, come out here. We, we're going to have a prayer meeting right now. Karen Foote was here, too. She's going to say, you forgot me. No, I didn't. Had a brain lapse only for a fraction of a second. I'm not, I'm not that old yet. Guarantee you, somebody's going to come up to me and say, Pastor, you need a sabbatical. You're having brain freeze, you know? No. So we, I said, we're going to have a prayer meeting right now. Let's just pray. All of us pray. And I started praying, and I said, God, you can go right out on the street right now on Chicago Drive, and you can bring someone from out there that needs you into this place. Then Zach prayed, and then Casey prayed, and then Karen prayed, and then Katie was last. And when she started praying... I heard the glass door by the mailbox. It opened, and I looked over, and it was a man, not quite my age, but in his 50s. And he just opened the door. He said, oh, sorry. I said, no, 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 no. So I said to Casey, go talk with him. They went in the office, and they started talking, and we finished praying. And I was going to go do something else, but the Spirit of God said, no, you need to take a step back a moment. Be sensitive to what I'm doing. So I went in the office, and I said, sir, can I help you? And he said, yeah, probably I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I just came in here hoping that a pastor would pray with me. It didn't even take 10 minutes after praying until someone came off Chicago Drive into the building. We don't have because we're not asking. 
We're missing opportunities because our brains are somewhere else. We're getting hung up on things that the enemy sends into our life instead of all the things that God is sending into our life that we should be observant of. Yes? And so I, he, he said, I don't suppose you have time to pray and, I, and talk with me. And I said, sure. And so we left and went into the nursery and sat on those two chairs. And he just said, I grew up in the Baptist church. So did I. I know the Bible very well. I know all kinds of Bible verses. I've served the Lord. I've been on church boards. I've been a missionary. I went to Australia as a missionary for a year. I went to Ecuador for months. I did this for months. And I was, I was totally, totally sold out, on, sold out on God. I've been to Afghanistan. And even while I was away, bad things were happening. I didn't realize how much I was neglecting my wife. And she divorced me. We have two daughters. One of them's at Grand Valley State University. The other lives on the other side of the state. And he just said, and I'm just telling you this morning, Pastor, this. I prayed that somebody would talk to me. See, listen, listen. God said to me, you need to pray for somebody to come in here. He said, I drive by here all the time to my job. And today, somebody told me to go in there and pray with somebody I have a really close friend that's in Florida. He is a pastor. And he, a week ago, he said to me, you need to go talk to someone. You need to find a pastor to go talk to. And then he said, I didn't do it all week long. And then I came to last night. He called me again and said, did you go talk to a pastor yet? And he said, once again, I said, no, I didn't. But I was driving down the street today, and the Spirit of God told me to go in there. Don't tell me. I know people think I'm trying to be sensational, but don't tell me that God doesn't send angels. Yes, he does. You have an angel always looking after you, ministering angels. And on the same token, I would say, you have demons that want to destroy you by choices you've made. Choices that were made in the past, choices that were made by your parents, choices that were made as you grew up that you're trying to overcome even now. We find ourselves spinning our wheels sometimes. It's like the little boy who was in a department store. And he was standing by the escalator, and the clerk came over and said, young man, are you lost? And he said, no. And she said, can I help you with something? And he said, I'm just waiting for my chewing gum to come back around. A lot of us are waiting for the good to spin back. Yeah, we are, seriously. Well, when is my, when is my train going to come in with my riches? And when am I going to get healed? And when am I going to find a partner for life? And we ask God these questions all the time, and God says, you just need to stay the long obedience in the same direction. You don't give up. You don't give up. See, what I found interesting about the text for today is that God told them very specifically that he was going to deal with their adversaries. If you're doing anything for God, you will always have enemies. Wouldn't you agree? There will always be those who oppose you. Sometime it will be from your own household. And so what God said to them, and I think this is a very, very important point to make about the text, is this. He didn't say, it's all done, you just go in. He said, I am going to accomplish this little by little. You got that? Little by little. You will be victorious little by little. Big 
and generous and far-reaching promises. Joshua 21 actually said this. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all the enemies into their hands. All they had to do was obey God, and God will give you victory over your enemies. And you will have enemies. You will, I promise you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's crazy how we get everything in the way of God's protection. Because about every time God's just ready to do something powerful, you jump. You make a big shift and you run away. If you listen carefully, he says, I will be an enemy to your enemy. There's nobody I want on my side like, like God. There's nobody I want on my side more than Jesus. His name alone cripples the enemy. Your fear doesn't have a chance when you're, what? Standing in your love. My fear doesn't have a chance when I'm standing in your love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your fear doesn't have a chance. Zero percentage of chance. And you, you got to touch your neighbor and say this. You better be nice to me because I got God on my side. You better be nice to me. You got, come on, say it to your husband. Say it to your wife. You better be nice to me. God's on my side. You, you, know, you know what's awesome being a pastor? You get to look at everybody's face. And some of them are like, I'm not even talking to him today. We're on a sabbatical from each other. Hmm? I'm not even talking to him. And then he looks over at you and she goes, don't look at me. You know? <laughs> look what he says again. I will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And I will wipe them out. I'm going to get them out of your way. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them, because after I get them out of your way, don't get in your own way by doing what they did. Have you ever noticed how somebody gets offended about something and they drag someone else into their offense? Yes? Yes? Okay. Come on, help me out here. Somebody's offended, and now you're offended, and you don't even know. It's 10th generation offense. Ten people, did you hear what I heard? The story's not even the same by, by the time it gets down to them. Yeah, that's the truth. They picked up on somebody's crazy offense. This is what blew my mind in the text. In verse 28, it says, I will send the hornet. <laughs> See, the little kid in me likes to get a big stick. Have you ever noticed how men love fire? Men also love hornet's nests. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, or, or the wasp nest up in the corner of your house, and you get a big stick, and they're, they're all flying in and out there doing their daily duties. They're just having a good old time flying around your sand. There is something inside of me that says, smash those suckers. You know what I'm saying? You go get the broom, and you just, bam, 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 and it all sticks together. And then it falls down and 20 of them come after you. <laughs> okay, you know what he's saying here. He is saying this, and I think it's so powerful. 
I will send the hornet. Because you know what people do when the hornets are after them? When the beer, what beer? The beer. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> when the beer breaks out, people start running. <laughs> when the whiskey saloon opens up down here, on the corner there, of all the things we needed was a whiskey saloon. You know, don't you think it's uh, way off track here? I told myself I wasn't going to do this this morning. <laughs> this is probably the most Christianized culture you could ever find. And we're called Beer City USA. It's a bunch of rebellious Christian reform kids that wanted to drink so bad. <laughs> Forget the Bible belt of the north. We'd rather be called Beer City. And the, the, actually the town planning lady, when I was in talking to her about some other issues that works for the, the city of Granville, she actually said, please start a restaurant. Because I told her that one of my dreams was to open a restaurant. She said, please start a restaurant. We really need that. We, we could so much use this in Granville. And what do they do? They open a whiskey saloon. The only attract, I was here last night at like 9 o'clock. The streets are folded up. All the Christmas lights are lit, but there's not a soul. You would think it was a premature rapture. Streets are empty except for in those two taverns down there. He says, I'm going to send the hornet's nest, and they're going to go running. They got to go. They got to go. The Hivites, the Canaanites, the Cellulites, all of them need to go. <laughs> Anything with a night on it needs to go. You know what I'm talking about. Cellulite is so ugly. So God sends a strong warning to them. Are you in a good mood today? Brian, how about you, Brian? Because you know what? It's your lucky day. We took an offering for all the single moms and dads, and you get one. God's good. Oh, yes, he is. We, we managed through your giving to, to put together $275 for each single parent in our church. Yeah. And they're all looking at each other right now and goes, do you suppose we're on the list? <laughs> Am I on the list? If you're not, we're still going to take care of you. Joshua 23, 15 says, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. You see, their parents forfeited the promise of going into the promised land. They got sidetracked. There's a lot of stuff out there to sidetrack you, mom and dad. Picking up other people's offenses sidetracks you. Cares of the world, the, the need to, to find a spouse, or you just bought a house, or whatever. You need more donuts, or whatever it is. There are a lot of things to sidetrack us this morning. Now think about this. If you know for a fact that your parents forfeited the blessing of God on their life, you should make a choice right now not to do the same.
Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on. You know this is true. Look at your parents. Decide in your own mind which things you do not want to transpire in your life. Set your feet on Jesus and be a winner. Come on, you could do this at any time. It's never too late if you're still alive. See, God gives his warning to his people in Exodus 23, and this is some of the stuff he tells them. Number one, to obey his voice. Number two, not to rebel against him, for he will not pardon their transgressions. Three, don't bow down to or serve the false gods of the people who dwell in the land. Four, don't imitate their cultures. Five, completely eradicate any trace of their false religions. Six, against making agreement with the people or their gods. Seven, don't allow idolaters to remain in the land because that's the way that they will influence God's people to sin against God. Eight, be careful who you allow to influence you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Listen. I just want to pray about something. And you hear these things and you spread it to somebody else and it becomes your offense then. And you miss all the promises of God. See, God is not against us. We have an incessant tendency to become enamored with everything and anything besides God. The desires of the flesh, the deceitfulness of riches and the pride of life, the desire for other things constantly competes with our attention. The warning and command is not a restrictive command of a lover afraid of being left for someone. It's the kind of warning that says this. If you touch the stove when it's hot, you will get burned. Mm. You know, burns have a way of reminding you. You look at scars on your hand. Oh, yeah, that's where I got burned. Yeah, that's where I touched the stove. That's where I hit this. And God says if you choose that path, you're going to get burned. All of us that are Christians in the room have experience with that, don't we? We have experience with getting burned. The writer of Hebrews holds up the Exodus generation as a warning to New Testament believers, a warning against turning against the Lord in, in Hebrews 3, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion of the days of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Woo! That's powerful. God is saying, stop it. Stop the cyclical pattern of getting hurt. The Bible actually says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know why? Because they're smart enough to know they need to keep, keep their eyes on God, not on humans, not on the pastor, 
not on somebody that offended you. You keep your eyes on God because he is the only one that's going to direct you correctly. Nobody else can. The Exodus generation were the recipients of a lot of blessings, but do you realize that all the parents that walked out across the the sea on dry ground, they didn't get to go into the promised land. I don't want to be one of them. Whether you go or not, I'm going. It's a long obedience in the same direction. They did not enter in because of unbelief. And so they, it says in Hebrews 14, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, justice to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. Are you listening to me now? Here's the deal. When you unite with people who are skeptics, doubters, negative, always negative, always led astray, always seeing the bad in this situation, when you unite with those people, you're going down. Will you agree? What percentage of people agree with me? Raise your hand. Do you think it's important as to who you unite with? Who is speaking into your life? Because when you hang with negative people, you're going to become negative. You've been sidetracked by the enemy and you don't even know it. We're waiting for God to show up and he's waiting for us to grow up. Oh yeah, we are. We're waiting for God to show up and he's waiting for me to grow up. Stop being the one I have to wake up in the middle of the night worrying about. You understand what I'm saying? Be the one that I don't have to worry about as a shepherd. Be the one pulling your friends to God instead of driving them away from God. Yeah, I love this. Dirk may not even remember this, but he said it to me a few weeks back. We have to be careful how we hear things. Maybe we're just hearing it wrong. You with me? Maybe our, our interpretation of what is being said is just not right. Possible? Yes? How many people are still with me? How many people are sleeping? Oh, good. How many people, anybody in the room, this is your first time here today? Raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come up here, I promise. And we're not giving you a $275 check either. No first-time people? Oh, nobody that wants to say, okay. How many of you don't go here all the time? Raise your hand. You don't go here all the time. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Good to have you here. When I get to my negative self, I think, I wonder what they're thinking. What are they thinking? And I always think, if they just stick around, they'll know I am kind of normal. You know? (laughs) And all the negative people go, suck up. (laughs) Big suck up. He's just a pastor's friend. If he was observant at all, he'd know pastors don't dress like that. Pastors don't talk like that. Yeah, yeah, America. America. Have you ever noticed how, how much more and more country music is influencing our culture? 
because I've always hated country music, and I'd say this last song was kind of country. My fear doesn't stand a chance when you're standing in my love, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm liking country music more all the time. Yeah, we, we went to the concert last week on Sunday night because I really I love the group for King and Country. They put on a show. But, but you get it here every Sunday, don't you? Because <laughs> she said, yes, they did. And I was waiting for her to say, yes, we do, right? Look at your empty chair and say, yes, we do. <laughs> See, we're waiting for God to show up and he's simply waiting for us to grow up. Oh, God, do we need to grow up? You notice what he said. He said, I'm going to establish, I'm going to do this for you, but it's going to be little by little. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. He says, I'm going to give them to you. Now just go drive them out. Drive them out. He already promised he would give them to us. God made that covenant. They waited for over 400 years for God to deliver them out of Egypt under the oppression of being slaves. And then when they got out in the desert, they whined and cried about everything. Wouldn't it be good if we could spend all of our time in bringing people that are not Christians to Christ? Wouldn't that be amazing if we could spend all our time? God, in other words, said, I'm ready when you're ready. This is what he's saying to you this morning. I am ready when you're ready. You need something. I am ready when you are ready, people. I'm ready. He brought them out of Egypt. He's brought them out of slavery. But there's a difference between coming out physically and coming out men mentally. Whew. There's a huge difference in physically coming out from mentally coming out. A lot of people leave things while all the time they're wishing they still were in that. You think the devil's going to leave you alone if you make a decision to move out of that behavior? Satan's going to come to you and say, you need that alcohol. You need those video games. You need that friend who's negative. You need that sex. You need this. You need that. And God is saying, no, you're not going to be happy as long as you're doing that. He gave him a couple things to prove to him that he was with him. He actually gave him the Ten Commandments because they didn't know exactly how to live. He gave him the Ten Commandments. He also gave them some laws, regulations, and statutes for living with one another in relationship as a community. He speaks to them about treatment of one another and of foreigners. He speaks specifically about festivals and what the ones he wants them to keep. And, and three times a year, he says, I want you to send all the men to the sanctuary, and nobody should come up empty-handed. I want you to bring me an offering. I want you to bring me an offering because I want you to be protected. There's a key word here, protected from trusting in your provision. Are you following me? It's a big deal here. Let's talk about this for a second. Even in ministry, my wife and I had a hard time wanting to tithe. In the early days, we were just like, we can't afford to tithe and didn't. Oh, we gave, but we didn't tithe. And it just came to us that when you're not honoring God by making him first, you're going to have problems. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, the tithe is an Old Testament thing. Baloney. If anything, it changed in the New Testament to giving more. You will not be blessed until you honor him first. 
all of a sudden you're going to find that God is blessing. You know, hey, listen to me. You know this because I'm not into routine praying. But you know this, that every time you sit down and are able to eat a meal, you are blessed. You know that if you can actually swallow that food, you are blessed. You, you, come on, you know this is true. You know that if you have food to eat, you're blessed. Yes, you are. You got so many blessings this morning, you ought to be jumping for joy. And there's some people out there going, prove it to me. Prove it to me, Pastor. This is all nonsense. Prove it to me, Pastor, because I've had my taste of, of garbage come into my life, and I just don't see it. I, you, man, you are blessed today. Aren't you blessed to be sitting? I, I said, you are blessed to sit in these chairs. And one of the people in the church came to me and said, they're sinking in the middle. They're not that comfortable. So we've decided to go to all wooden benches. where the backs are perfectly straight. In fact, they lean forward a little bit. Slightly lean forward. See how many people come the week after that. Woo, God. He gives them some laws, regulations, statutes. He protects them from trusting in their provision. Do you, did you know that there are three things that God has actually promised you? I hit on one of them, seeing an angel who goes ahead of you as a blessing. He says, I will send my angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place that I prepared. Number one thing that he gives you this morning is protection. He says he'll guard you along the way. Has he protected you? He's protected you? God will guard you along the way, but you will only see it when you look back. You won't even realize it until you look back at the scenario that has come your way and you say, you know what, I can honestly say, that was a blessing. Every day of life is a blessing. Yes. In order for God to protect you, you got to be in motion. <laughs> Some of you are asking for God to protect you while you're sitting there expecting something from God, but you're not doing anything about it. You want to get out of that divisive, evil trap of Satan? This is what I did this morning. Stopped my car long enough to realize this was from the enemy. Hey, 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 stay with me. Somebody in the room has given up. You've actually thrown in the towel on this thing you've been praying for. You have totally given up, and God is saying, you've got to get back in motion, and you will see how my hand of protection has been on you. I'm preaching fine this morning. My wife is my amazing, loving partner, and she came to the keyboard and said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm good. I haven't had that feeling at all. Now watch, Satan said it right now. I fall on the floor. <laughs> I'm, I'm very hesitant to ever tell the congregation when things like that happen because it already happened to me when somebody just recently said, you sit in the service that you had a headache. Do you think you need a sabbatical? No. So the worst thing I could do is get out of motion my mom had terrible arthritis, and I, when we were out on the farm and she could barely move, I said to her, Mom, I got the answer to your arthritis. Listen to me closely. Walk up that big hill every single day and back, all the way down your long driveway, all the way up that hill, and all the way back home, because God will bless you in your action. Yeah. When you complete the assignment that God has given you, you will receive your assistance, and not until. You know what you ought to be asking right now? 
What's my assignment, God? What do you want me to see in this? What's my assignment, huh? What's my assignment? Because I can promise you this. An angel is there to guard you if you're sensitive about it. You believe in angels? They're in the room. The enemy is not allowed in here. Angels are in the room coming after people who didn't even realize it. He offers his protection to us, and we take it for granted. When you complete the assignment that God has given you, then he'll give you assistance. You know what it is for some people? Stop doubting. For others, it's stop fearing. For others, it's, it's don't see that as my attack on you. See it as a means of my proving to you that I am God and I'm blessing you. Huh? Right? See this as God's way of using me more powerfully. So the dangers they faced were tangible and physical. They were all serious dangers, starvation, sickness, bitterness, barrenness, miscarriage, all of that kind of stuff. But he actually says in there, if you get refocused, your barrenness will turn into, huh, babies. Ever experienced that? When we were having difficulty having children, we put a verse by our bed, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. It is not until you delight in the Lord and find him as your sustenance that he will give you a child. Am I right? Am I right, Ryan? Brittany? Many of you have experienced this. It is when you complete the assignment that God has given you that will, you will receive your assistance. And let me assure you of this. Along the path, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. You're wrestling with demonic powers that are trying to kill you. Ever experienced that? They're trying to kill you. Satan can't have me or my wife or my marriage or my family or my kids or my friends. None of you. You're shaking your head, yes. He can't have you, right? Right, Moline's? Yep, you can't have them. Agree with God on that. He can't have us. We don't need to let him have us. The weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Take those strongholds down right now. Grab a hold of them and say, out of my life, depressing spirit. Out of my life, hopelessness. Out of my life, self-image issues. Out of my life, lies that this thing will make me happy when only God makes me happy. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We cannot fight the spiritual battles because God wants us to get victory in the physical battles. Please, please listen. You can't fight the spiritual battles because you're not having victory in the physical battle." identify what the physical battle is right now, take it and say, this is yours, God. I'm done trying to fight it myself. I'm at the top of the list. Stop worrying about what everybody thinks and fight the good fight of faith. Am I being too loud today? See, and all the people that didn't say no are the ones the devil uses in my mind to say, maybe I am. Maybe I should just be very quiet and say, my wife thinks I'm way too silly, like silly putty. I find life to be very boring if I don't see that God is in everything. If he's in everything, we'll be okay. 
isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I only use Facebook to look up my friends. I saw that deer you shot. What? Yeah, man, you look like the mighty hunter. There are women hunters. You know that? Who are the women hunters in the room? Raise your hands. They bring home the beef for the deer. Nothing wrong with that. Does that make you mad that she hunts? Do you hunt, bud? Oh, well, there you go. Did you get a deer yet? Okay, don't be offended. <laughs> Your wife brought home the, the bacon this time. Yeah, and he'll eat it too. You know what? If we look at it that way, maybe you haven't gotten what God has to give to you yet. Stay with God and watch him do miracles, right? We, we can't fight the spiritual battles because we can't even win in the physical battles. I, I would say this to you. Don't ignore that angel. You've got a giant assignment. That's good. The greater the assignment, the greater the assistance. The greater the assignment, the greater the assistance. If you've got a big assignment, you need God even more, don't you? High five people next to you and say, I'm protected. Come on. See, that's a nice break for me. When I have all of you doing that stuff, it's a break for me to get a drink of water and say, okay, wipe the sweat from your brow. This ain't over yet. <laughs> no, I, I, I seriously, I want to ask you a question because sometimes your faces confuse me. <laughs> they do. You know, you be, when you're a pastor, you become a professional at face reading. But sometimes your faces confuse me. Honestly, I think some people look one way but really are just thinking completely different than what their countenance says. Are you blessed today or not? Yes. Wow, are we blessed. Oh, my gosh. I'm so blessed I can go crack a barrel and have $5.99 and get the meatloaf special, lunch special, mashed potatoes and gravy, two pieces of sourdough bread grilled with blackberry jelly and a salad. $5.99 any day of the week. Is that not a blessing? And there are people out there, I'm not kidding, they're like this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whew, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. Woo, he says, I'll guard you along the way and I'll bring you to the place. If you guard along the way, God promises to protect you, will bring you to the place. Because promise to position, number two, his promise is to position you. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Wow. You got some promises that when you're standing in his love, things are going to happen. Yeah. yeah. The angel can bring you to the place, but this is the key. He can bring you right to that place, but then he says, but you got to go in on your own. I'm bringing you here, but you got to go in on your own. You gotta, you gotta go in. It, 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 I can bring you there, but you must go in. Man, I can't even believe it. Twelve spies went into the land forty years earlier. Twelve spies. Only two came back seeing it. 
as flowing with milk and honey and something they, but that belonged to them. I'm going to claim the promises of God this morning. I'm not going to listen to the devil. Say that. I'm going to claim the promises of God. And I could guarantee you, as I was praying with that man the other day that came off the street, we went in the nursery, and right behind him, right behind him, on the wall, there is the verse. I have made plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You know what he said to me? And he'll be coming to church, by the way. He said this to me. I've been waking up in the morning every day wishing I hadn't woke up. I'm not suicidal. I just don't have any reason to go on. And I said, oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Satan is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. Come on, people. Some of my sisters and brothers in this room who I love think that you have no reason to go on. That is a lie. I've had to tell people recently, I'll be there for you, even if it's just for me. you got to go on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. God's protection is there for you. He's positioned you to be blessed. Yes, he has. He said, I'm sending my angel, and he will bring you to the place. The angel could bring you to the place, but he can't go in for you. Not only do we have his protection, and he's already positioned us. One last thing. We are his possession, and he's given us a possession to claim. Yeah, he has. He's protected us. He's positioned us, and he's prepared us to claim the the possession that he has for you. He says, I will go before you, but I will not go in for you. Your, your faith has to take the next step. Somebody in the room this morning is standing at the edge of the promised land. At the edge, and you're looking in, and you're thinking, I don't know what this means, God. I'm really scared to do this. I need to make a decision. I'm very, very scared to do this. Please show me what to do. And God is saying, go in. Go in. Come on. Come on. Go in. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in God's love. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have lost your marriage. Some of you have lost your health. Some of you have lost your purpose, which was that man. And by the time he left, he said to me, you have restored to me hope for the future. Woo, God, thank you. Yeah, see, it doesn't all happen at once. It's little by little that God does these things. I can make you a promise if you'll stay with me here. Stay at Rock Church with me. Stay with me as we go through the journey. Little by little, you'll change. Yes, you will. You will change. Stay with God. Little by little, you'll change. And it's in looking back, uh-huh, looking back on the things that have happened. Am I on the right page here? Looking back that you look back and say, whew, God, were you with me there? I didn't think I could make it. Oh, God, were you with me over there? I thought I was going down. Oh, Lord, were you ever with me over there? I thought it was over when my wife found this out. I thought it was over when my husband found this out. I thought it was over when I lost my job. I thought it was over when I lost something very special to me. God, it's not over. Not over. It's not over. He says, this is the word of the Lord. This is not me. I will go before you, but I will not go for you. You've got to get into promised land thinking. 